Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled Sabbath, a Day for Deliverance and Delight, and is based on Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. It was delivered on Sunday, August 21st, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. Our second lesson for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, starting with verse 10. Jesus heals a crippled woman. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he had laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on one of those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Seems everywhere Jesus would go, he had opposition. There was always a fight with somebody, or someone didn't like what he was doing or saying. And so his opponents here in this gospel were holding on to a passage from Isaiah's prophecy. At the time that it was written, God's people would just return from exile. They were settling back into their homeland. They were urged to pursue things of justice, but also they were reminded of the importance of Sabbath. And so in Isaiah 58, we stumble across these words. If you refrain from trampling on the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob from the mouth, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And in today's Luke passage, There's this collision of of ideas, of understandings, of powers, and a question for us quickly emerges. What is the Sabbath day 
really for. Our modern discomfort with the notion of Sabbath can be traced back a century. In the early 1900s, Hungarian psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Sandor Ferenczi identified a disorder he labeled at the time Sunday neurosis. Every Sunday, his patients with this malaise experienced headaches, nausea, anxiety, or a deep sense of of depression. And after ruling out physiological causes such as overeating during the Sunday dinner, uh, Ferenczi determined that his patients were actually suffering from an extreme sense of restlessness related to the change of pace on Sundays. Rather than enjoying Sabbath as a day of of rest, the Sunday neurotic was full of anxiety over not being at work. Does this sound familiar? If Ferenzi were here today, I would imagine he would diagnose many of us with this disorder, or perhaps he would say to us, you know, Steve, your to-do list is just another sign that you're a workaholic. Okay, I accept. Whether Sunday neurosis is a real disorder or not, the fact is many of us are, are ambivalent um, or even uncomfortable with the idea of Sabbath. Sabbath. And this is just perhaps a, a symptom of a larger cultural problem. One of the paradoxes of modern society is that we have all these advances in technology and in machines, and they're all supposed to make life a lot easier for us. And yet our world, more than ever before, is characterized by busyness and stress. We suffer from a lack of rest, and what does this biblical idea of Sabbath really have to do with our culture of um, activity? Seems there's no end. Well, hundreds of years after Isaiah's directive, we discover God's people still observing the Sabbath. And one of my favorite moments when we were in Israel was standing in the synagogue, the ancient synagogue of Chorazin. We stood there and we had our Sabbath observance. And we read scripture and we were able to meet with God in this space that so many years earlier, Jews had come to to find peace, shalom with God the Lord. And the setting for our Luke passage is a synagogue much like the one we were standing in, a beautiful space, a place and time set apart where there was teaching and and sacred ritual. As an observant Jew, Jesus participated in the ritual and even led many of the teachings. And that's exactly what we find him doing in this story carrying on the tradition of honoring the Sabbath with prayer, song, and praise. Worship that day was rather uneventful. Everything going just as planned. But then along came a woman whose gait was so ponderous that both the sight and sound of it turned heads. Her spine was severely damaged, so much so that she hunched over, lurched forward. She could hardly see where she was going. 
We can imagine how the listeners must have felt. They were finally getting a chance to hear this Jesus talk in an intimate setting. And in she walks. And she's disrupting this scene, this holy moment. Couldn't she have waited until Jesus was finished? Makes us wonder what was running through Jesus' mind. I mean, I know how I'm wired. As a pastor, I prefer structure over spontaneity. I'll admit it. There's nothing worse than leading a worship service and having things not go as planned. Or if you're leading a second hour class and somebody interrupts and then you just start chasing rabbits and you don't even meet your goals for the day. But Jesus, the good rabbi, doesn't press on to finish a three-point sermon. What does he do? He stops and he looks at her and he says, come. Imagine how she must have felt. Imagine this 18 years she's been bent over. Bent over. Unable to walk without pain. Uh, Unable to look around at herself or others. Unable to turn and look up at the bright blue sky. 18 years she's been clinging to hope in the Psalms. Psalm 71, verses 4 and 5. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the cruel and the unjust. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. And now after 18 years, 18 long years, someone finally notices her calls to her, promises to heal her, invites her over, and does the miraculous, straightens her up. Straightens her up. And he says to her, you're free, daughter. And she was free. And with that reassurance, the woman was liberated from her sickness and granted a new lease on life. Naturally, she couldn't hold back her joy. She raised her hands and began to praise the living God right there in the synagogue. But the rest of the people, we learn, are less than thrilled about this. They were frustrated and even confused by what was taking place. What about the importance of ritual? That was the first thing that was going through their minds. Wait a minute. There's the fourth commandment we got to remember these things. They who rightly insisted upon observing a Sabbath as a day set apart were sure that Jesus was violating this principle. After all, it was a command that had been handed down to them from the time of Moses. Keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Although a great distance of time and space separates us from this passage, such zealotry about honoring the Sabbath is not entirely foreign to us Americans. Many of you will remember not too long ago that on Sundays, um, well, it was a day in which stores were closed, lawnmowers were quiet, and you could not purchase liquor anywhere. These rather trite ways of honoring Sabbath were traditions left over from the Puritan blue laws. 
a strict set of ordinances forbidding labor and commerce on Sunday. And so the, the blue laws, named after the color of paper they were printed on, attempted to legislate Exodus chapter 20. Here's a sample. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, but the seventh is a Sabbath. You shall not do any work. Your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, your alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Consequently, Sabbath became the day of shall nots. You shall not work. You shall not clean your house. You shall not cook. You shall not drink. You shall not shave. You shall not play sports. You shall not visit others unless there is an emergency. And Sunday became a day of rules. Rules that were intended to allow for rest, but often ended up imprisoning people in um, joyless zealotry. So let me tell you a story about my dad. My dad hated Sundays because of all of these rules growing up in Grand Rapids in the 1950s and 60s. So what did he do? He would casually toss his baseball glove out of the upstairs window down into the shrubs below. Then he would slowly meander his way outside as if he was going on a meditative walk. Then he would rummage through those Texas yew shrubs and find his mitt, grab it, and make a beeline to the nearest ball field where he would meet with his friends and play baseball. As if my grandparents had no idea what he was really up to. Perhaps the confusion over Sabbath, both during Jesus' time and our own, is due to the neglect of an important second biblical tradition. The first account, in the first account, the one that inspired the blue laws, the Sabbath decree is tied, is tied rather, to creation and rest. In the lesser known tradition, however, the Sabbath is linked to the exodus and liberation. Listen to this second tradition in Deuteronomy 5. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You hear the reference to the Exodus here. In this tradition, Sabbath is a day in which God's people remember their deliverance from slavery and commemorate their liberation. Regrettably, however, this narrative has been largely overlooked. But this is exactly the tradition that Jesus recovers in Luke chapter 13. There he defends his Sabbath healing in liberative terms, saying, Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey and lead it to water? Why then shouldn't this bent over woman be set free on the Sabbath. 
in his reminding the people of instances of untying, of releasing, of setting free, Jesus points to the liberating character of the Sabbath. Responding to one of his critics, he seems to be saying this, well, of course it's permissible to set someone free on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is all about freedom. The Sabbath is all about freedom. And by saying that, he not only straightens the bent over woman, but he straightens things out or tries to in his listeners' minds. He reveals the true meaning of the Sabbath in contrast to their bent legalistic ways of interpreting it. But here's the thing. Biblical stories like this, ones that most of us in this room know or have read, it's, e- it's easy for us to look at this as a nice story but really has nothing to do with our lives today. Many of us neither identify with the zealots nor the person in need of healing. But if we interpret this passage so narrowly, I think we're missing an important message. In the Sabbath, we are called to remember that we too have been bound but are set free in Christ. We too have been bound but are set free in Christ. On this sacred day, then, we not only remember the exodus and liberation, but we experience it and we enact it together in worship and in conversation and in our fellowship with one another. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's, that's, that actually sounds kind of uh, scary. Perhaps one reason the Sabbath tradition is often overlooked is that it calls for something very personal. It entails something more than just obedience to laws or even attendance on worship, uh, in worship. Rather, it, it, it pushes us to consider where we are bound in our lives and where we need to be set free. In this interpretation, Sabbath confronts us with a, with a couple of tough questions. How are you imprisoned in your life? What is binding you, limiting you, frustrating your potential to serve God? What is Christ calling you to give up or to release or to be liberated from? It could be that some of us need to be freed from our unquenchable desire for more. More stuff, more worldly success, more exotic travels. Um, Others of us might be bound by a Sunday neurosis. We're workaholics. We have to admit it. We are so hardwired for work that we cannot rest even for a minute whether it's on a Sunday or a Tuesday. But if Sabbath is all about freedom, 
then why aren't we allowing ourselves to be freed from such bondage? Why don't we let God deliver us from our over-scheduled calendars? Our compulsion to constantly stay connected to social media and to our jobs. And this is where Isaiah's words serve as a, a, is a corrective. Listen to them again. Listen carefully. This is Isaiah 58. Listen carefully. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath by pursuing your own interests, if you truly honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. That is the beautiful and fulfilling outcome of truly honoring the Sabbath. It takes a rested, contented, satisfied spirit to be able to delight in the Lord. And that is exactly what we are called to. To be sure, the liberating function of Sabbath begins within each one of us, with, with those who have already experienced and are still experiencing deliverance from the bondage of sin. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus urges his people to remember that the God who liberates the person from sin is the same God who wants to liberate everybody. Everyone. No matter who they are or their struggle. In fact, right now as I'm preaching to you, right now, as we gather in this safe place of mostly familiar faces, there are people in our own community who are crippled by addiction, by loneliness, by violence, by things like self-hatred. And others are imprisoned by poverty and homelessness and hunger. And certainly the invitation that God puts out there for us to be freed goes beyond the walls of the sanctuary. It, 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 it meanders its way through College and Fulton and down to Division and other places throughout all of our suburbs and, and beyond. It moves beyond our individual lives. This liberation we find in Sabbath isn't just meant for us who gather each and every week. No. It's meant for all the bent over women and men who have been ignored, forgotten, overlooked, and feel alone. So brothers and sisters in Christ, thank God we've been liberated. Thank God for Sabbath rest. But boy, do we have our work cut out for us. It is not enough for us to say I've been set free in Christ. It's more proper to say I've been set free in Christ so that by the grace of God I can go out into this world and help others find the same freedom that I've received so generously.
and that's Sabbath. It's a big deal. And we all get to experience it. All of us. Let's pray. God of love, thank you for the gift of this holy moment. In our stillness, help us to ponder the ways in which we are bound by a need for control, by a lack of forgiveness, by a compulsion to be busy. Help us to find the rest and contentment necessary to truly delight in you. May we be instruments of your peace and liberation to a very busy world in need. For we ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.